Hey, this is Marty. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that one of Tony's favorite words is neat, which is why in this episode, we're introducing the neat sound effect, which sounds like this. So every time he says neat, you'll hear this sound. And let's see how many times Tony says neat over the course of an episode. And we'll reveal the results at the end. Now on with the show. Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys give you the results of their year-end survey. There's a scurry report with Mark and Nate where they reviewed the Gaia project. And, wait a minute, Marissa, must be wrong here. Wait. And there is a five-minute initiative with me where we talk about topiary well we look forward to hearing that marty and welcome to a new year of rolling dice and taking names 2018 is upon us and this is episode number 135 the answer to our life i'm tony and this is marty and we are ready to start a brand new year i am in my plush new studio all excited trying to find everything marty as you had to wait 20 minutes as oh marty i gotta go get this marty i gotta find these headphones i gotta set this up so i appreciate you being patient with me yeah it was like i'm ready to go he's like i gotta look for my headphones oh all right come back later oh did i leave my power cable over there for my recorder no i gotta go get batteries then he comes back oh i found a power cable Okay. It's a work in progress, man. We're working on it. We're trying to make it happen here. But more importantly, give me a fun fact about the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys suck. So how was your holidays? What? Now, come on now. One of the comments from our awesome survey was somebody says, I need to get more relative. I need to get out of the 70s and 80s out of the music. Do they not realize that's what we listened to growing up? And you came up with a Backstreet Boys song. Okay. Backstreet Boys? Okay, hold on. So here's the thing. They were like mid-90s. They were the boy band, right? So when the boy, the NSYNCs, the, you know, those guys, uh, what was the uh, uh, Boys to Men? I was just totally out of pop music at that point. And, and in fact, uh, when you sent this song, I had no clue what it was. I went and listened to it. I still didn't know it. And uh, I got no facts for you. I, I told you my fact. They suck. Well, let me, I'm going to sit back here with on the couch and enjoy the microphone. <laughs> you here. are reclining. I am there. reclining. What are you doing? It's like I, I'm upright in the studio chair and you're just leaning back and enjoying life. And if you'll note, in the new recording studios, the color of the furniture is green. So guess what we have? The green room. The green room. Ta-da. Ta-da. Okay. I will say this. I'll give credit. People going to have already turned us off because I said something bad about the Backstreet Boys. Look, just because I wasn't a big boy band doesn't mean those guys didn't have talent. Oh, yeah. Those guys uh, uh, could sing. They were somewhat manufactured. I did read the story behind where a few of those guys were in a band together, and then a producer wanted to create a band, and he had hundreds of people of audition. He picked up one of the guys from that band, and over the course of the audition, he actually brought in the other band members that he was already singing with. So they were already together, but it was somewhat manufactured. They can sing, and I have to give credit where credit is due with NSYNC. Justin Timberlake is a pretty freaking talented dude. Yeah, he is. The guy can dance, the guy can sing, and I am honestly looking forward to this year's Super Bowl halftime where he's going to be performing again, hopefully without a uh, wardrobe malfunction this time. uh, That will probably be to the end. Most people who know, 
probably don't know what happened with Janet Jackson in the wardrobe. Oh, I'm sure they do. And the whole reason for the three second or five second delay on live TV now, because of that. <laughs> That's right. It was implemented because of that, wasn't it? The reason why I picked this song was I spent, oh, a good 40 minutes trying to find a song about Gaia. And I was pulling up some of the weirdest sounding stuff. I'm like, I got no clue. What, what, you mean what, Gaia Project? Well, that's the game we're going to talk about. Well, Gaia Project, a sci-fi game. You couldn't come up with any sci-fi theme songs, uh, ground control to Major Tom. We've used uh, Rocket Man. Done. We did Rocket Man. I'm pretty sure because I know we've okay. we do science fiction game. If we have it, well, let's we can use that one later. But then I was like, okay, fine. Well, let's go with the survey. And this song talks about you know the answers to our life, and that's what the survey provided answers to our life okay okay so this relates to the survey that our annual survey that we're going to be talking about later in the show we're going to go over our answers and the survey which was also the entry to a 200 dollars gift card to fun again games the winner has been contacted and uh we can't wait to see uh what they do with it i know hopefully they'll post some awesome pictures maybe they'll and share some love down here. Maybe, you know, $10. I could use uh, another few Ikea shelves. So you got all your games in. Have you unboxed them yet? Uh, not all of them. You still have a box of mine, the special box. And I forgot to give you that the other night. Yes, but you do. Do you, have a place, do you have a place for them now? Well, okay. So first off, you've got the nice Ikea. It's not the pack system, right? I forget what you got. Uh, is it the Calyx? Yeah. And, and for those of you who don't have an Ikea, basically Ikea has common words for all of their cabinetry and you can say oh well, i got the packs and everybody knows exactly what you're talking about well i've got the i call it the algot a-l-g-o-t it reminds me of the rubbermaid hanging shelf system you know what i'm talking about there uh rubbermaid hanging sh yes yeah yes, the wire mesh shelves that you know when you put it when you put a bottle on it tips over <laughs> I, so when i moved into my first house i remember when they told me <laughs> they said just so you know all your, I'm sorry, this is funny. All your closets have ventilated shelving. And I thought, wow, that sounds really cool. <laughs> ventilated shelving is just those wire shelves. That's all it is. Wire shelves, man. That's it. For some reason, ventilated shelving is like, ooh, my closet has like air conditioning and stuff. It's like, no, we just put in these cheap wire shelves instead of the real nice ones. But I was like, okay, so I've got to come up with some shelving. So Got bought this Rubbermaid stuff, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to do this, this, and, then, and this. I'm going to have to hang these vertical shelves. I have to do this header bar. Got to put up all these shelves. They come in these various sizes. I found the location for it in the house. Everything is going to go well. And I started thinking about it, and I discovered that the Algot system works about the same at half the cost. Okay. And so I'm hanging these shelves, and everything, I mean, it, it looks decent, but I got so depressed last night, Marty. What's that? A total of... 12 normal moving boxes of board games. And I know that everybody's like, oh my God, 12. Well, they're not that big. They're medium-sized moving boxes. And I'm putting them on the shelves, and I'm like, I got a ton of space here. And then suddenly I'm like, wait a minute, I'm running out of space. And I mm -hmm. still got four boxes left to go, not including the one that's got mechs versus minion at your house. Which is a beast. But I got a shelf for that. They come with this shelf that I think is over um, 23 inches deep. So it's going to work great. What well, works great for my um, Star Trek, uh, Starfleet Captains, uh, Ascendancy, Max versus Minion, Ticket to Ride, 10th Anniversary, all those will fit on that shelf. So I'm putting all this, and I'm like, and Donna's like, don't worry about it. We'll get more shelves. I'm going, really? More shelves? 
that means I can get more games. She's like, no, that's not oh. what that means. I'm like, oh, fine. Oh, but I'm sorry. But I've almost got them all unpacked. But then I really got panicky. Really panicky. Uh-oh. Why? I couldn't find a box that had a very special game in it. Oh, Lord. Are you going to say strike? We've been doing this podcast way too long. <laughs> Dude, I know you. <laughs> it was such a setup. It was like, all of a sudden, you know, it, in the moment you're saying that, it's like, I'm running through a whole list of games and we ding, 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 strike. Strike. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find that box. And I, well, it also has uh, Star Trek Ascendancy in it. And I'm like, oh, crap. I, where is that? And I'm like, oh, it's also got Strike in it. It's also got my broken token Carcassonne organizer who I haven't put together yet. I'm like, oh, man, where is that box? I couldn't find it. I was freaking out out just because you know you you catalog everything it's amazing how i bet i could take games off your shelf and you knew exactly which one they were but i was just like where is it where is it i finally found it last night around 1 a.m so oh good glad you found it i I, I know i know because it wouldn't i would not be complete without strike in fact uh, (laughs) there was a couple references to strike in our survey comments somebody put like gladiators rule or something like that and somebody said something like even though you may like tupperware i still like you guys you know something like that hey since you uh, got room on the shelves then maybe i need to give you the game that uh, cge just sent me out of the blue they sent us a copy of the xl version of code names did you see a picture I posted of this on Twitter by any chance? The X, extra large? No, I missed that. This box is about two feet tall by one foot wide, <laughs> and it contains every code names in it. It has code names pictures, code names duet, code names, and the cards, the word cards, are a little bit bigger than uh, postcard size. Did they just make that special for us, knowing that the fonts might be challenging to us? <laughs> Is oh my it, god! Well, you you didn't say. Are you saying you, you didn't see my tweet? I have not been on Twitter. You know me. I know. I know. But what's so funny? My tweet was, "Hey, Ignacy, look, it can be done." <laughs> oh no, you didn't. <laughs> I did. And did he respond back? No, he did not. I may have ticked him off. You didn't tick him. So Ignacy, we we get on Ignacy and Portal Games because we talk about how the font is so small on some of his cards. So it's a running joke we have. And then he brought us a magnifying glass to to play one year at the origins and stuff so it's always been kind of a running joke so here comes this huge name of code names where the words on the cards are about three inches four inches long by like an inch and a half high you can't miss them so i had to put a little dig in there to ignacy he didn't respond so we may have lost a sponsor well wait a minute he recently reposted me reading crazy cards with a magnifying glass at origins he did do that yes he did out of the blue i suddenly show up on his twitter and I'm like, what is this stuff? But that's okay. Even now, I'm having to turn on more lights to read. I'm embracing it. The eyes are not the same. Hey, speaking of code names, you yeah, said you played me. Marvel. I did play Marvel over Thanksgiving. Okay. Well, I got code names Disney. Nice. Is that is it picture in words like Marvel is? Yes, it is. You're not kidding. It Marvel or Disney, it can be hard. Yes. Which which side? The pictures or the words? Uh, we played picture side. That is hard. Like you did, where you suggested a word that had that had nothing to do with the Marvel content. You just mm-hmm. suggested a word that could link everything based on a commonality. And I was telling people that when we were playing Codenames Disney, I said, don't think of it like Disney 8. You've got to think beyond that. And that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. So my daughter was playing along, and unfortunately, I can definitely tell she's my daughter because she and I think a lot alike, and we won easily. Um, but she looked at it, at it, and she goes, 
Jerry three. And I go, Jerry three, Jerry three. And, and the person who's playing with me goes, I don't understand. And I'm going, Jerry three. Jerry. And I look down. There's a mouse. Nice. Yeah. I go, okay. So, and it was, uh, I forget the mouse from Dumbo. That was that mouse. Okay. Yes. And then I'm looking and then there's another mouse on a card. It's in the, one of the back pictures. Boom. There's another mouse. And then I forget another thing there. Sure enough, there was another representation of a mouse. I mean, why didn't she say mouse? Because there was something that would that would lead me to the bad word, and she probably couldn't say like Mickey because Mickey was probably on a card somewhere or something like that. Or that's a really good clue. I would immediately go to Jerry Seinfeld, and I've been looking for like soup. And oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> by the way, in reference to that on the last episode, oh, good gosh, uh, I made a reference where I said love the Drake. Somebody in our guild got it. Love the Drake is from an episode of Seinfeld. So uh, thank you for that person in the guild who who got that. That's where that uh, reference comes from. And I think that's what caused me to get Rick Roll because somebody wanted me to go look at it. I was going to look at it. I clicked on it. Yeah, Scott, you got me. Yay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got to make a confession. I know we haven't got to the survey part yet, but on our survey, we had a place where you could leave a comment. And I just copied the comments over to another spreadsheet so I could read through them real quick. There was a link to uh, to a YouTube. I went, crap, we just got spammed. I thought it was like a robot spam, spamming an ad for something. I clicked on it. I got Rickrolled. Ooh, nice. They were waiting on me. Yeah, they were, but they got me instead. So whoever that was, congratulations. You got me. I honestly thought it was going to be like a spam bot, you know, where they'll send you a link for some sort of advertisement video or something. But nope, it was just a well-intentioned Rickroll that uh, worked. So on our vacation, did you do anything fun? I started uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, baby. I got to find some players. Don't want your family play? There's only two of us. Well, that you could play with two. Can I? Can I play with two? You can. I don't see why not. So, so we got to play with four. We played the uh, the first game. This isn't giving anything away. This is the base rule. Why right when you open the box? What I love about this game, Tony, is this game takes place like seventy years in the future after Legacy uh, Season One. Mm-hmm. You know, in regular pandemic, the cubes are diseases you're trying to get rid of. Here, the the beginning dynamic is it's supply cubes you're trying to put on the board. So you can never let a place run out of cubes. Again, that's not giving anything away. That is like right out of the box. That's what you do first game, even for your setup games. I'm not giving any secrets. But I think it was a really cool idea to to flip that on its ear, where you got to get supply cubes and actually put them into areas. And there are areas when you flip over the uh, infection deck. Instead of placing cubes, it's actually pulling cubes off the board. You know, I might have seen this somewhere, this type of... Oh, I I might have... Because I was in the beta. And whose name is on the rule book? Did you highlight that name? Is your name in the rule book? Yes, I'm a tester. Patrick Hillier... Tweeted it out and said, here are some awesome. Marguerite is on there. And oh, I forget who else, but get the rule book. You'll see my name. Oh, dude, that's great. I didn't. Even, I, I remember that being uh, posted, but I totally forgot to look for that in the rule book. I guess, I guess the NDA is gone. I don't have to worry about the NDA anymore. I won't be arrested. <laughs> but now, you, that's right. But now you can't give away any secrets that you may know either. So you still got to keep it on the download. But anyway, we're looking to forward to play through it again. We, we did lose our first game and everybody said, how did you lose your first game? Because it was so easy. Well, somehow we lost. Just leave me alone. So we're going to kind of progressively go through this. We're playing with my old 
older son who's you know back from college, so we can only play when he's here. So we did get that uh, kicked off, and uh, that was fun. Of course, the boys got tons of Games Workshop stuff for Christmas. Oh, so your basement was the- littered with that stuff. You saw it, didn't you? It was insane. They got a bunch of Age of Sigmar stuff, which is what they're into, and they've been assembling and painting all week long, and I got to give them credit. Number one, those GW models look great. And they are doing an incredible job painting. So that's what they've been doing most of the time. And I just been down there kind of watching them. I was painting up some of the um, uh, Shadespire uh, models uh, that I got the uh, the sepulchral guard, the skeletons, when they, and in, enjoying yet that. And I'm glad to say, don't shake your head oh. because I think you may have just ordered the base set of Shadespire or getting ready to. I'm not going to order the base set. I'm going to order Mark from Kale from the Scurry Report. The base set, and I may order the skeleton skeleton. Why do I need the base? Why? Explain. Okay, explain to me. You have the base. Why do I need the base? Unless you just want the board and those extra cards. If you just want to just monkey around, buy a faction that you want, get the Skaven, you're, you're going to be fine. You theoretically don't need You have to borrow somebody's dice. You may want to buy a set of dice that they sell individually. Well, it's special. They got seven sides. Are they not six? No, no, they have special markings on. They're not regular D6s. They have special icons. Don't pfft me. They're icons. Come on. All I got to do is darken out some of the circles or connect the dots. It can make the special one. Well, you can take some of those strike dice and do it if you want. I would. I will when I get my Martiators. Blue peg, pink peg, thank you. I still haven't gotten my order in. Thank you. Did you know I got mine? Rodney gave them to me at uh, no, PAX. No, I've I've got a bag of the strike dice with my with, with my face on it as the the X. So you see my face, you die. I know the feeling. Every other week. That's <laughs> 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 a whole knee slapper dad joke. Speaking of uh, fog of love, we weren't even speaking of that. <laughs> Where did that come from? Worst segue of 2018. Thank you. We're starting off early. Back. No, I mean. <laughs> I know we've already talked about it on the past show. Did, did yes. you think about it a little bit more? or I did, because after we reviewed it, some people were making comments, stuff to us, and I, I did think about it a little bit, but are you, are you going somewhere with this in particular? Not really. <laughs> I hadn't planned on going anywhere, man. I was, I was just kind of curious if you thought about it. <laughs> so It's like, speaking of fog of love, oh, what do you think about it? Oh, nothing. I just, you know, fog of love. Yeah, I didn't know if you thought about it much anymore since, uh, since, since you got it. But I did get my um, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. Rodney's putting out a video for fog of love. Mm, I got to say it. Say it. Did he play with himself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, he, may, he may edit this one out, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, hi, this is Watch It Play, just Fog of Love. Oh, oh my gosh, that was funny. That that that, uh, that tickled me right there. So what are you saying about Lord of the Rings? I'm still waiting on my book, but I did get the um, PDF, so I'm ready to do the one shot. Oh, you did? Yeah. You so. did. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to get you, myself, and whoever else wants to play. Can we just sit down and go through a character creation session and, and walk through that? Yeah, we'll definitely Cause do Because then, then we kind of coordinate who wants to do what kind of character and see how that works and if we can kind of learn the base rules and then actually play the game. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Yay. I, fi- I figured that'll be um, part of our big birthday party. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, you and I could combine our birthdays uh, this weekend, this this weekend, this year, and uh, we'll do something like that. Yeah, end of January, we'll get that happening. We'll make it go from there. So I did play another game. Yeah, what's, what's that? Passport to Culture. Why don't I know that? What is because that? Because you wouldn't know this. Okay. Think of it like a 
trivial pursuit type game where you're learning cultures of the world. Okay, sure. Who makes it? I don't know. I just put you on the spot. That means he's going to go to Board Game Geek and have to do research. I was happy, I was happy that I remembered um, <laughs> while, while Google spins and tries to figure itself out, basically you were moving around trying to fill up your passport with stamps from the various countries. But unlike Trivial Pursuit, where you are sitting there having to get your answer right to get one, everybody is trying to guess the right answers. I'll be honest, it's a basic trivia game, but some of the facts were kind of neat. And so, for instance, you get three choices, A, B, or C. So it's a a multiple guess type game, which I appreciate a whole lot. You know, I don't have to come up with the answer off the top of my head. But so, for instance, which continent has the most countries that speak Portuguese? Which continent? Which continent? Okay. A, South America. B, Europe. C, Africa. And then you guess what it is well i would guess the obvious of europe so i'm wrong what is it it's africa really yeah who speaks portuguese in africa there were five countries that speak it i don't remember the all of the ones but that's the neat thing you flip it over and it gives you this flavor text it taught me stuff and that's scary Why is that scary? That's good. An old dog can be taught new tricks. I know. I know I can, but it's passport to culture. And we played it a couple times. And we played it with people, a gentleman, uh, friends of ours who are in the um, bowling league with with us. And they've he's lived in the Philippines. He's lived in South America. He's mm. lived in Europe. His wife and him can speak four languages. They're, they, they have the culture thing down. They killed me and Donna. It was hilarious. But it was it was kind of fun to to do that type of game. Just sit back and learn. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Okay, who makes it now? Would you please go on while I continue to look this up? You got to remember, I got Are you a new serious? internet. Come on. Oh my gosh! What do you mean you got a new internet? It's like the old internet. Just go over there and you do a search on Board Game Geek. But and- you're you're hogging the bandwidth. Your face is hogging the bandwidth. <laughs> my face is hogging the bandwidth. Oh, that's funny. So, I don't know. I'm giddy tonight. I'm just, you I'm just, you I don't know why. Anything else you do this Christmas before we move on to whatever else we got planned for the show? We're going to be going over those survey results. Yes, we are. Uh, we are excited to have, uh, we got to have our first play of Gaia Project uh, from Z-Man Games, which is the, uh, not spiritual successor, but a rethemed of, of Terra Mystica, which is one of my favorite games of all time. And we're going to do a scurry report on that coming up. And in our next segment, I am going to get serious with a topic uh, from an interview I read with Christian Peterson earlier this week from uh, Asmodee North. H&H Global, Howard Levine. Thank you. So it's, it's published by H&H Global and the designers Howard Levine? Uh, that is correct. H&H, uh, two to six players. Well, there you go. From 2003. Wow, that's an oldie but a goodie. Hey, you know what? How how would you compare it to like um, America? Actually, I tried to pull it out, but I hadn't emptied that box and I hadn't found it yet. It was, it was, America was with Strike. So um, how would I compare Mm. it? I like America better. Okay. I I really, uh, and not just because it's only on America. I just like the style of America, the multiple guessing and close is good. And then we played Wits and Wagers. And so, you know, it was, it was a trivia kind of night. Well, by the way, Wits and Wagers with four people, eh. Not, not, not good. I didn't enjoy that. That wasn't yeah. much fun. 
No. It is, that's definitely a lot more fun with more people, especially if you got that new version, which is like the Vegas version, which is really cool. And I do, but this was the first time they were playing it, so I kept it to the old version. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I didn't do all the extra betting and all that junk, eh? Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, and also, well, after we got played Gaia Project, I had to leave, and y'all were playing, and I know we're not going to talk a lot about because you want me to get to play in, but Heaven and Ale. Yes, by, uh, Ig- Ig- oh, Lord. Eagerspell? Ah, who's on the spot? Eagerspell? Eagerspell? It's being published by Plan B Games, and it's it's uh, from... Eggerspiel. I think that's it. Eggerspiel. Eggerspiel. Uh, it's the same people that did uh, a, a Great Western Trail. Oh, such a, that's, I, forgot to, yeah. I forgot to take that off your shelf. Uh, so, yeah, we got to play that. We're going to cover that in our next episode, uh, Tony, because I want to play that again. I really want you to sit down and play it. Uh, this is a, a game that everybody we played once, and we go, okay, it's one of those games where you play it the first time, and you go, what, wait a minute, I, I really don't know what the strategy should be. And when you get to the end, you kind of talk, okay, maybe I should do it this way the next time. And I've heard like the next time, multiple times you play, it kind of clicks. So I do want to get that table again. So we're going to be talking about that next episode. But another game that we played right after you left was a game I was really excited about from FFG. It's called Civilization New Dawn. Now, if you remember, FFG released a full big 4X board game of Civilization back around 2010. Mm -hmm. This is a more streamlined version of the Civilization game. Takes about 90 minutes to play. You got a map out there. You've got uh, some areas or little uh, uh, cities that you have, and you try to, to spread out and collect resources and trade with people, and you fight. But the really cool thing about this was the mechanic of how of your action selection. In front of you, you have a tableau with five slots on it. Okay. And everybody has the uh, same starts with the same sort of cards. Each one's a different tech. Like one is culture. Like one's military. Uh, one is technology, uh, etc. And what you do is they're lined up one through five. And when, on your turn, you take one of those and take the action of the card. The higher number slot that you picked, it does more. Say, for example, if your military was in slot five, uh, when you do combat, you get like a bonus of plus five. Okay. Or it may say that I'm going to send out a caravan uh, to trade with somebody. And the higher slot means you can cover more different types of terrain. Like the number one slot, you can only go through the plains. But if you need to go over mountains, you need to get your card to the number five slot. After you take that action, it slides down to the number one slot and every card slides up by one to the right. So it goes up in one increment. And that's the whole mechanic of the game. And that was a really cool of, man, I really need to do this action right now, but it's only at slot three. I really need to get it to slot four first. And, and then uh, you can upgrade those. So all those start out at tech level one. Uh, one of the things on one of your cards is you can upgrade your, your cards and they go from each uh, skill can go from one to four. And so like if I was to get a level two card, I go through my deck and I replace one of my level ones with level two. Well, it's a little bit better. So over the course of the game, you're upgrading your cards. And the whole goal of the game is, guess what, Tony? I'm hoping, based on that explanation, is to get the most victory points. That is totally incorrect, which is why I hate you weren't there. This had no victory points whatsoever. All of us were going, what a time for Tony to leave. (laughs) We finally played a game that had no victory points. At the beginning of the game, there's three objective cards that are put out. Each uh, card has two different objectives. You have to get one of each of those objectives on the three cards. The first person to do it wins the game. 
So it may be you need to build two military wonders or you need to get all your cities built. Uh, so there's these different things that come out there. And over the course of the game, you're trying to get uh, one from each of the cards done. First person to do it wins the game. No points whatsoever. All right. So I'm going to ask you, I understand streamline, yada, yada, yada cards, all that good stuff compared to Mare Nostrum, which had no victory points. Oh, dude. Uh, I, uh, no, Mari Nostrum. Mari Nostrum, Mare Nostrum. Okay. It's one of the two, right? So one of us got it right. That game is very special to me. It, it's not nearly as good as that. Okay. No, no, it's not nearly as good. In, in fact, this game, I ha- had a good time playing it. I don't like the combat in this game. I really don't like it a lot. Uh, not, I can't say it all. I don't think it's that great. It's kind of boring. Uh, basically, you have uh, you, you have a modifier to your die based on what card you play. You roll a die. The defense rolls a die. Whoever's hires wins. Hmm. There wasn't a lot of military stuff going on. Okay. There should have been. If we play it more times, there might be because you could take over people's cities and take over their wonders. But no, dude, if I was given the option between this and Mari Nostrum, it'd be Mari Nostrum all day long. But... But Mari Nostrum is like twice as long as this game, okay. too. So I think that the, the benefit is, hey, you get like a little civvy type game in 90 minutes. Okay. Interesting. Was it neat? It was neat. It was. Okay. It was I, I was anxious to play again. And it's funny. I've been reading some reviews of other people, and it's kind of all over the place. Some people are like, oh, this is a nice little Yuri type civ game. And other people, I read a review before we got on, who are big civ time uh, video gamers, couldn't stand it at all. Didn't like it at all. It's like, why did you even call this a Civ game? This is nothing like the video game. And they said, if you want to play a good Civ game, go play the 2010 version. I'm like, yeah, but you were told this game is like a streamlined version of Civ that plays in a lot shorter time. So you can't expect the complexity of that Mm. full Civ game, which could take five to six hours to play. They say this is what it is, and yet you're dinging them for not being that. Okay, not being a... uh, That doesn't make any sense to me. I got a nail pop over there in that ceiling. (laughs) <laughs> call, call your uh construction people and they'll come fix yeah, it 30 day walkthrough yeah yeah i was gonna say you have to wait like 30 days and go find all your nail pops yeah, why right? is my xbox not working squirrel it comes on and it just doesn't show a picture xbox 360 yeah it's the one that you and i bought a long time ago probably calls us like 10 years old dude i don't want to upgrade oh you should have upgraded over christmas like we did they had those suckers on sale for 189 one of the new xbox one really S's. Yeah. I missed that. Actually, oh, there's wow. one. Uh, people are like really bored right now. Walmart has a special on sale right now for $199. You get that 1S and a game. Okay. $199. Walmart's open 24 hours. When does a special go off? I wonder if it's at midnight. Uh, if not, you can go order online and just pick it up uh, there sometime. I like the, the Xbox is kind of what we use now for Hulu and Amazon and Netflix. Which you cut the cable. I cut my cable. I am so excited about this, everybody. For years, I have been wanting to cut cable and I finally did did it over the holidays. It was such a liberating feeling going to the cable company, turning in my DVR to cable converters and said, take this off my bill. And what I did is I knocked my bill down a hundred bucks and replaced it with a $35 per month a subscription to direct TV. Now I get all the channels I have for $65 less. That means I can go buy a new game each month. So what are you doing for local? Are you an antenna? No, it, uh, local's built in DirecTV now. The Charlotte market uh, has uh, the local channels in the DirecTV now feed. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yep. See, I, I need to talk to you because the community I moved in took a 10-year contract that comes up in 2019 with Uverse. 
So we're going to have to start renegotiating that garbage because that right there sounds like a winner to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The guy sets up my AT&T U-verse on my TV and I'm, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's something wrong here. He goes, no, sir, that's the correct picture. And I go, no, it's not. It's only three quarters of the screen. And he goes, yes, sir. That's, that's how standard definition works. Oh my God. Standard def. I'm like, well, where's high def? He says, yeah. you didn't order high def. That's $10 a month more. I'm like, in today's time, you're charging for high def? That's horrible, dude. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how this fiber optic works and all that on our recording. So if you hear any pauses, it's because of <laughs> there's delays as I'm talking with Marty. <laughs> Were you doing that on purpose? Because otherwise, there were delays right there. Yes, I was doing it on purpose. I couldn't tell because you were you were like talking and then freezing. It's like, wait a minute, I think I may have lost you. So that was that was uh, pretty good. Hey, you know what, Tony? We got a lot to cover in the show. We got the survey results. We got Gaia Project. I'm going to do a special five minute initiative with Vanessa. We're going to talk about the new game Topiary from Minigame Games. But next, I do want to talk about this topic uh, having to do with. Asmodee North and their their map policy and a comparison they had it to that's something both you and I are very familiar with. Tony, remember in 2016 when Asmodee North announced they're going to have this new map, the minimum advertised price, uh, where basically they're going to not allow online retailers to discount their products as much? Yeah, I remember that. 2016, isn't that where Chaz Marler from Paradise Paradise had his literal cow when they announced all this. <laughs> of all the media people, Chaz, I think, was the one most bothered by this whole map thing because Asmonade North did it. Games Workshop kind of already had something like that in place. CMON has announced they're doing it. So, Tony, one of yours and mine favorite sites for getting news and everything is ICV2. And last year, they did an interview with uh, Christian Peterson and Steve Horvath from uh, Asmodee North. And so they were asking them, hey, you know, since you've implemented these changes and everything with the, uh, you know, using just one distributor, uh, such as Alliance and, and the map and everything, how's it going? So they go into this discussion of how it's going and how it was accepted. And there's one quote here that I want to read, Tony, that really kind of bothered me. And that's what I want to kind of dig into. So as he was answering this question, Christian Peterson said, and I quote, I spent some time talking to people that compare the current hobby games market conditions to the sports cards business several years ago. Sports cards used to be a thriving business. You would have these shops selling cards, trading cards, and they would become a hub for a local community of collectors that would talk together, open packs in the store, talk sports with the store owner, trade cards to complete collections, meet new friends, etc. Now, Tony, I can only assume he said several years ago, but don't you think he's probably referring to the late and early 90s when the uh, baseball card market was just exploding with a bunch of new people in it? I can only assume that's what he's talking about. Yes, I was not there with him to dig into it, but yeah, I, I would <laughs> agree with you, yes. Well, well, when he talked about, you know, there's uh, of stores, you know, uh, collectors and stuff, you don't see baseball card stores anymore. No, you we don't. used to have them all over Charlotte. Yes, we did. And, and they're not there anymore. That's right. And the reason why I want to talk about this uh, is because he goes on to say, and I quote, 
Then the market entered the era of deep discounted case and box sales direct to consumers, encouraged by these sports card publishers who saw resulting spikes in volume. Of course, this practice decimated all the local shops in the sports cards business. In the first few years, for obvious reasons, sport card collectors love getting these really cheap cases of cards, but over time, as the local stores and their communities were wiped out, collectors didn't have a place to meet and trade with or talk to or share the hobby with, and that made the hobby less fun. The result was it really hurt the sport car community, which has never recovered from this. And then Steve Horvath says, and their collections were devalued. Let me just say this, Marty, uh, from that whole comment that he just said. That's bull. <laughs> just use a beep now. I know, you're going to have to beep it. I did this. Uh, Hold on, let me mark at the 45-minute <laughs> 58 second mark put in a beep. Um, yeah, so here's the thing. Oh, God, hold on. But in the in the 70s, I was collecting baseball cards to the point where his whole premise is on this deep discount stuff. I'm sorry. In the 70s, 1978 was my first collection. You could go and mail order from distributors cases as the general public. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't have it as advantage to you of seeing it on the internet as much and as quickly and go and have a selection, but you could. That's how we ordered our sets for tops. So once again, throw in the flag. And here's the thing. I'm not talking about the map. The whole purpose of this discussion is not to complain about the map and they're setting the prices. They can do what they want to do. Yeah. They set the prices however they want. The market will decide. My problem with this is whoever he talked to, I don't think fed the right information. What he's trying to say is because uh, you could get cheap cards from online, that took away businesses from put took away business from the local stores and they dried up. That's not what happened at all. And in fact, Tony, I did some research. I want to make sure that I had my facts right. And I went through several websites looking at what caused the crash of the sports card market in the early 90s. There's, a, there's an author of a book called Mint Condition, which talks about the crash of the baseball card market. The question was asked to him, why did the baseball card bubble burst? He said, and I quote, I talked to an executive at Fleer who said that the downfall of the hobby was greed. It was greed on the part of the card makers because they rolled out so much product that it diluted the power of the cards and killed the golden goose. It was the greed on the part of the baseball union because they sold a lot of rights and made a lot of royalties on those rights until they had too many card makers. Then you had greed on the part of the dealers, surly guys who didn't care to to talk to the nine-year-olds who came into their shops uh, there were this there to sell cards. And finally, collectors were swallowing up everything, thinking it was going to turn to gold. Everyone got their just dessert in the end, and the whole industry crashed. What he's saying is the whole purpose of the crash was simple supply and demand. There was a demand for cards. Manufacturers way overproduced cards to where everybody had 10 of every single card and the, and the market fell out. Online discounted products was not one of the main reasons for local stores closing shop. No. And I mean, I remember one of our stores that we went to that sold comic books and baseball cards. I remember when he closed his store, I looked at him and said, so what is it? Is it the fact that people are, you know, there's just so much? Is it grading? He said, that has something to do with it. He says, but what's hurting me is 
eBay and people being able to go out and buy the singles and compete against me for the singles. And it wasn't so much that he was being hurt by the mass retailers, the Sam's and whatever mm-hmm. selling them. That wasn't it. He was trying, he bet, he put all of his money on the fact that he was trying to capture that rare, chase that gold card and try to make his profit on that. And then when eBay came in there, that's what hurt him. It wasn't the fact I could go online and order from Potomac distribution and get a whole bunch of baseball cards. That wasn't it. And so what I think Christian Peterson was trying to say, we don't want the same thing to happen in the board game industry that happened in the sports card industry. And to me, Tony, I think you probably, you and I say the same thing. It's apples and oranges. Yeah. The local store did not dry up because I, like you said, I could go get it cheap online. It dried up because baseball cards overproduced dropping the value. And then there's, and then everybody tried to sell the card and they weren't worth anything. Heck you and I were buying Beckett, which was the baseball card price guide every month. You and I was like, oh, we're going to pay for college with these cards. And we've mentioned that on here before. That just fell through. So this comparison to saying, Fantasy Flight saying, oh, guess what? We need to take away some of the discount of the online stores because we want to drive people to the local game stores. I'm sorry. That's not a comparison between the two. The discount of games is not going to keep people from going to the game stores. The game stores are still places where people want to go to have tournaments, to play with each other and have a community. And also, board games aren't collectible. Baseball cards were all about collectability. It's two different types of hobbies. One was an investment. The other is just, I want a board game to go play with somebody. When I got into baseball cards, here I am playing baseball as a kid. It was neat. To have a card with the picture of the player because I didn't get to see all these players. I got to see a picture of Roger Maris or of Harmon Killebrew. Those were what baseball cards were. It was a way to relate to your heroes back then. And then, like you said, the greed kicked in in the 90s, the error cards, the jersey cards. Um, the, the, the grading of the cards, all of that stuff. And then 20 makers of it. Uh, the whole purpose of my thing was you want to implement a map that is a, okay. You, you want, you, you want to cut the discount. That's fine. But I think using the example of the sports card crash in the nineties as to what could happen here. I personally, I think it's off base and it's just because Tony and I went through that. We saw exactly what happens with our collection. We saw exactly, it talked about uh, every card maker jumping in, making three, four, five sets every year. It used to be one company making cards. Then it was two. Then it was three. Then it was four. Then each one of those would release multiple sets in a year. Too much glut of product. Drove down the price. Dried up all the local stores. Crash. I don't believe the same thing would happen with the board uh, industry, uh, board game industry. I just don't think it's relatable at all. I see he's wanting to drive people to the stores. And, and the purpose of that is if you can't get a big a discount on the line, you'll go to the stores and buy it there. But I don't think you can assume that crash, the same sort of crash would happen because to me, it's just totally different uh, types of uh, hobbies. Organized play gets people to the stores. You mentioned the magic thing and how you know people go to the stores to play magic booster drafts. I mean, there's a prime example. Oh, oh, yeah, magic. Okay, that's a collectible card game. I can go online and buy booster boxes all day long discounted. Is that killing the stores? 
No, because the stores is where you got to go to play this stuff. And it's still the stores where you can buy card singles. You can buy singles online. Magic is what causes many game stores to thrive. But I can still buy Magic at a discounted price online. Yeah, I have no problem with the map either. I've got no issues with it. I understand driving to the stores. When they initiated this in 2016, everybody was crying and screaming and, you know, the world was on fire. Guess what? Things are still going on. Things are moving nicely. We're still getting board games. We're still having fun playing. Got no issues here. Just don't talk about the baseball card thing. It's the beginning of the year, which means for Portal Games in the next several weeks, we're going to have the big Portal Con. I want to go. I want to go. He said we could stay at his place. We just need to find a way to get it. It's cold over there right there now, isn't it? It's not as cold as it is here. That's a good point. So it's going to be 11 freaking degrees tomorrow. That's cold. What's it called? The Cyclone cyclone Bomb that we're having right now, whatever it's called. Polar Vortex Cyclone Bomb. I don't... It's cold. So he's going to be announcing some new games, but in the meantime, Cry Havoc's expansion Aftermath just came came out which we're excited to try i'm gonna now finally pull cry havoc back on off the shelf and try this and portal games has also started their next season of informant if you haven't watched this go check out their youtube channel where they're going to post regular videos of behind the scene looks at portal games and how they design games and play test games and maybe they'll tease us of some new games that are coming out this year so you can go to their youtube channel to find that or go to their website at portalgames.pl slash en for english unless you're polish then it's slash pl Unless you're German, then it's slash DE. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. I am so excited in this five minute initiative to have my wife, Vanessa, join me. And I am very excited to be here for five minutes. I can give you five minutes. <laughs> well, that's interesting because <laughs> the reason why we're here is to talk about a filler game. And lots of times in this house, we don't have a lot of time to play two and three hour games. So we play a lot of filler games here. So like you can only give me five minutes for this interview. <laughs> you can only give me 15 to 30 to play a game. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and in the game that we just got that we're excited to talk about is a game from Renegade Games designed by Danny Devine called Topiary. And you know, when you opened up the box, I thought it was the cutest game. The tiles are just so cute. The topiaries are little swans and there's a dinosaur and they, they're they really just fun to look at. Yes. And I like the concept of the game where you go into a garden and you want to look down at the different topiaries. Exactly. And there's eight different type of topiary sculptures and there's one per tile, but they're ranked one through five. And they're ranked by size. Yeah, so yeah. one through five, meaning they're shorter. the shorter right. ones are one and the taller ones are five. Right. And to start the game out, you have a five by five grid on the table with all the tiles face down except for the center. And the goal over the course of the game is to reveal those tiles and put your meeples out on the edges where they're looking down a row or a column or diagonal for the purpose of seeing as many topiaries as you can. And that, that means you want to have the low numbers in front and the high numbers in the back. And the first time we played it, we actually played it with our older son and his girlfriend. Again, when we play, it's not just us, but when family's over and birthday parties, and again, we tend to do party games. But this game, 
was a lot of fun, and it was the first one that his girlfriend had played with us. Uh, so it was a good little thinking game. After we played it, though, we were like, gosh, there were just too many meeples out here, and we were kind of falling all over each other, and we really weren't sure about the game. I'm not skipping. I'm saying it. You were wrong. You read the rules wrong. I think your time is up uh, over there. With a four-player game, you're only supposed to have five meeples that you're supposed to place, and I gave everybody... Yeah, so there was a reason it got long and difficult. We were thinking, whoa, what is happening? So as soon as we were finished and we saw where you had read it wrong, uh, we were all eager to play again. Yeah, and we did. And you and I played a two-player game, which we really enjoyed because it it actually moved a whole lot quicker. And the the flow of the game is really simple. Uh, At the beginning of the game, everybody has also dealt three of those topiary tiles. And on your turn, you're going to take one of your meeples and put an empty end of the row or end of a column and then you get to flip over one of those face down tiles that you're looking down whether a row or column or diagonal you pick it up you look at it and you can uh, put down another one that's in your hand or the one you just picked up back in its place face up mm-hmm. obviously the goal is the closer the tile is to your meeple you want very low numbers right. and want higher numbers in the back and once a tile is face up that's it it can't be changed anymore Mentioned about when in scoring, if you have a set of the same. So the where the thinky part comes in is it's not just at the end of the game after you've placed all your meeples. You're going to look down each row and basically count. So if I see a number two, a number three, and number four, I add up those values and I get that. But also, if they happen to be of the same sculpture. So mm-hmm. say there's two or more of the dinosaur or the swan, I get one mm-hmm. additional point. Mm-hmm. But then there's another thing. Yep. You also have tiles in your hand. If you have happen to be looking down a row and there is a higher value tile than the one in your hand, you'll also score the point at that one in your hand. So there's three ways to score it. And that's why but it's so the matching, matching topiary. Your lower tile has to be the, the matching, matching to- one of the matching topiaries yeah. in the line. So all of a sudden, as you as you're going, it's like, wow, there's a lot going on and you can block people. You can flip over a tile and block their line of sight so they don't get to see as much. Yeah, we really enjoyed it, and we'll definitely play it again and bring it out when family members come over. It's just another filler game, but a little bit more thinking, like we've said. And it didn't look that way. We thought this was just going to be an easy, oh, this is good. we're just going to pass time playing 15 minutes. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, wow, where does my meeple need to go this time? Because once a meeple's put in a certain place, another people can't, a meeple can't be placed there. Right. One little knock I have on the game is the fact that it can take time to figure out the scores at the end because you have to go around to each meeple, look down each row, each column, or the diagonal, count up the number of points, see if there's any match topiaries see if you can score the tiles in your hand and that has to go around for each individual person so the scoring element can take a little bit of time to resolve so everybody's kind of waiting around seeing who's going to win but other than that if you're looking for a game that's easy to teach easy to play but has a little bit of thought to it then you need to check out topiary from renegade games it comes out january 10th so you can look for it online or at your local gaming store five minute initiative is complete As the great Richard Dawson said, that's right, it's time to talk about the 2018-2017, our annual survey. 
I get confused by that, Marty. We do the survey in December, and then we talk about it in January. Uh huh. It is. It's kind of confusing. It's kind of. I, I confuse myself. I get. I'm. I'm easy to get confused nowadays. So we ask no more than ten questions. We try to keep it simple, not so that we try to get difficult answers or anything. It just makes it easy on us because it's all about us. Wow. What? Wow, it's about the listeners. Yes, it is it's about, about the, listeners. the listeners, Tony. And I, and, I, and I know it is, but it's a good way for us to make sure we're staying on track. You got to have metrics. If anything I've learned at work, you've got to have metrics because without metrics, you don't know when you're going off the rails. Kind of like this show often does. I agree. All right. The first question was, we strive to keep the show under an hour and 30 minutes. Is this time still good? Does this work for you? Does it fit into the commute? Resounding? Sure. It's about right. And boy, I try to stress it. I try to make sure that we stay there. I like an hour because I know my attention span. Did you just go over the answers? I, I'm confused. Yeah, I said it's, it's about right. 85% about right. I don't need to go you over didn't all say, of Did you say 85%? 85%. Did you say that just a second ago? Yes. Okay, dude. You, you, okay, here's the thing. You need to go get some new internet providers because Uverse sucks. Why? Did you not hear a thing? No, I just thought it sounded like you just said it's about right. That's all I heard. Well, that was one of the answers. It was either too short about right or too long. So 85% about right. Mm-hmm. Okay. 7.7% too short and the rest is too long. So, hey. The, Who cares? The lowest number <laughs> we was need to see long. the majority. Who cares what the non-majorities are? Which which reminds me, uh, since uh, this is probably one of those questions that we can probably knock out next year because we're pretty consistent here. So we can replace this with something else. Okay. I'll, uh, Take a note of that somewhere. I got it noted. Speaking of which, this next question we could probably change next year, too, because I think we're okay here. Do you find participating in our contest through the year difficult? 77.7% said no. 17.4% said there were contests. And the rest said yes. So uh, we do try to make the contest as easy as possible. And uh, we've had this question a few years, and it tends to be about the same thing. So I think we're doing good there. So you'll need to find another question for uh, question number two next year, Tony. I don't know. Sometimes you wonder. Because, you know, some people don't always like the um, social media ones. So may- maybe we'll True. work something around that. True. Or, or maybe we can ask what type of content, uh, what ways do they like to enter? There you A go. form, social media. There you go. We'll tweak that. And like in like twelve months from now, we're going. Now, what was that question we're going to ask again? I write it down. I got mine like a sieve. A what? Isn't that a it? zit? A sieve. Oh, I thought you said zit. Seriously, you verse. Get something else. I can't. There's only one option. You verse. <laughs> I can do dial up. You want me to do dial up? <laughs> it might be better than this. I may just need to drive over you to your house. You still got that? Uh, you still got that twenty-eight-eight modem? I sure do. Nice. Or fifty. Oh, maybe you got the fifty-six K, and you went all special. I got my Vic twenty sitting over there too. Nice. All right. So, question number three in twenty eighteen, the show should have more designers. Forty-one percent of the people said we need some designers on there. So, not half of the respondents. Okay, I can That's work good. with that. Good. Mm-hmm. Publishers, sixteen <laughs> percent. Caveat: Which is the lowest. Nobody wants to hear from publishers. But I should have put a caveat in there, except Ignacy and Steven. <laughs> well, when Ignacy comes on, I say he's a designer. Yeah, he's a designer. Okay. Uh, guest media, forty-one um, percent. Should we should have more guest media on? And we'll, we'll try to get a few more um, people on here that would 
that can just break away. Um, I'd really like to get another chit chat on, but like once again, they won't answer our call. And now they're part of like this Kickstarter deal and they're ro- like rolling in all this money. We can't, I mean, what's the best thing we can offer is maybe a, I don't know, a shirt. Maybe if we can get the design right. Um, That's ne- right. Uh, ne- next question, uh, or not next question, next answer. Um, this is surprising. Over yes. almost 59%, well, it was 59% of the people said you should include old board games in the show. I think that was the most interesting answer of this entire survey. People want to hear old board game reviews. I think that's exciting, Tony, because we feel as content creators, we've always got to do the new. We've always got to do the latest. And then we think, oh, we got to keep up because that's what people want to hear about. They don't want to hear about something from several years ago. But yet right here, people say, why don't you pull out an old board game and do and do a review? And you and I have actually talked about this, and maybe this is a new way to do uh, uh, like a, an old-timey five-minute five minute initiative where we do pull out a game and see, does it stand the test of time? Mm-hmm. You know, a game that we used to play years ago, is it still relevant today? Is it still fun? So uh, consider that one done, everybody. Tony and I are going to get together. We're going to work on this. Old board game reviews is a great idea. We're not going to do a re-roll. No, 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 no. And, and and I'm talking about games, Tony, from six, seven, eight, maybe 10 years ago. Really old games, too. Okay. Yeah, I can break out Monopoly. Mm. Mm. Well, think about it. Pandemic's 10 years old. I know. Ticket to Ride's 11. Maybe 12 yeah, now. That's what I'm saying. So these are all these old classic games we can talk about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And the final one is uh, 22% said recipes. So we should have recipes on before designers. I mean, publishers. <laughs> publishers. Recipes beat publishers. <laughs> oh, we're just having fun. Uh, that was funny. Uh, no, no offense to any publishers. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, question number four, how did you find out the show was released? And Tony, I think this is one of these questions we can sunset to, because I think we've got a good feel. Thank goodness. I don't understand half the answers here. I know. Twitter's 14%, Facebook 14%, RSS subscription 37, iTunes 40. So most people, this is really exciting. 77% of the people subscribe to our show, Tony. They subscribe through RSS. They uh, uh, come through iTunes. Then 10% on Board Game Geek, uh, 4% visit the website. 3% Google Plus, and actually we had several people in the comments, they said they get our show off the Dice Tower Network page. If you go out to the Dice Tower Network, it has a list of all the podcasts on the network, and they go through there. So uh, this is probably another of those questions we can sunset. We feel that, okay, everybody's mainly getting it through iTunes or through some sort of RSS subscription, which would be through you know some sort of podcast app on your phone or laptop. So we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Does that suffice for our 2018 plug? That should do for God, at least 26 shows. Yeah. Okay. That should be good till 2019. So, so I have a question though. If 17, yes. if only 4% visit the web page, mm-hmm. can I sunset the web page? No, because that's, that's where our episodes are stored and the RSS feed goes through the web page. So, so I know. don't have to do a, a write up. I think people like the timestamps. I think on the uh, BGG, and if people don't know this, Tony does a fantastic job of timestamping each one of our episodes. You know exactly when a segment starts and stops, so you can know exactly what you may want to skip. And um, so if, if we post that on our BGG guild every time we post a new episode on bgg i put in the timestamps from our webpage so there's two places you can go find them all right next question what is the most important aspect of a review of a board game 33 percent says how it's played however 89 percent what is liked and disliked that's what they want to hear do I need to repeat that for you? No, you don't, because we had several comments that said, by the way, don't tell us how it's played. Don't get into it. Just tell us how I feel. And and I'm the one 
Tony will have warned me before we start a review. Marty, don't tell them the rules. Don't tell them the rules. And all of a sudden it's like, well, then you on your turn, you pull out this and you got to do this. It's, it's for me. It seems like everybody needs to understand how the game works before we can tell whether we like it or, or don't. So no, I will try to pull back on that on our five minute segments. We've only got five minutes. So it sounds like we need to spend more time about what we think about the game compared to others and lessen the rules lesson learned. Keep me straight this year, Tony. I understand. What you're trying to do is say, hey, this is why I like it. And if they don't understand the the concept, like I like it because it has victory points as the winner. You know, you, you, you've told. <laughs> that tells you nothing. You tell, right, yeah. Right. You know, that's that's how. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get that straight. Um, quality of the components, uh, 11.5% like that. The artwork, only 6.5%. And I think, Marty, what that's telling me is, oh, the theme. Um, was 12%. What that's telling me is, I think those are, you should mention them when the when they really stand out. Other than that, you don't, you don't really need to talk about it. Yeah, uh, good or bad, right? Right. If, if the artwork is just, well, artwork is subjective. Everything is subjective, right? But if there's a theme you're not crazy about, you can say, ah, I'm not crazy about the theme. Mm-hmm. Or if you really like it, do that. So yes, uh, lesson uh, learned. So I will try to implement that this year. Next question, do you find the five-minute reviews beneficial and here's more i think we need to change the answers on 77.7 percent said yes and a lot of people in our comments said we really like the five minute initiative people like short chunks of information and not a long drawn out look just tell me whether you like it or not and that's where the whole five minute initiative is for to try to keep us on target uh, lots of times we'll actually do a five minute segment multiple times because we don't get said what we need to. We want to. There's some points we want to hit, uh, so we'll continue to work on that. Fifteen point eight percent said, but would like a full review as well. And Tony, this is where I think we need to rephrase this because I don't know whether people are saying do a five minute review and a long review. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll work on that. So we we got to modify the survey. I'm with you. And then only six percent said they like four reviews better. Only six percent. That's amazing. <laughs> and then point. Hold on. It's a very small pie chart. 0.5% said no. (laughs) Well, if you're listening to the show, that was kind of a silly given. I know. Okay. All right. Next question. What type of reviews do you find yourself using as as you decide on a game? So in other words, poorly worded question. Imagine that. It came from me. Basically, how do you decide on whether or not you're going to decide that you are going to like a game? Uh, 57%. Go to video reviews. Then we have 42% say videos saying what they like or dislike. And I was trying to capture here, Marty, the like mm-hmm. um, our, our good buddy uh, Dan King doing where he pulls out his end and does the shortened up review. That's what I was kind of interested in. His Allegra segment. Yeah. yeah. Um, 22% are around the written reviews on BGG. That surprised me. Uh, yeah, very low. Yeah, I, I read a, a lot of those. Um, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Like this one wasn't a setup, a softball pitch. Podcasts that talk about it. Hey, imagine that. 80%. Yeah, nice. And then, of course, um, written reviews on other sites. Um, Amazon, Fun Again, and uh, Mention Market, Cool Stuff, so forth. Only 6% there. You know, when when I go see like Amazon reviews, and I always wonder, did, or Yelp or whatever, I'm like, is that his brother? No, I totally agree. So, I, and, and lots of times it, it is his brother. My resolution from 2018 is to produce more videos than I did last year. Tony, you got some ideas for videos talking about having guests on the show. Maybe that's a good way to talk to people. And several people in the comments too said, could you please produce more video content? So we're cognizant of that. Uh, Tony did just move. He's going to get set up. Uh, I want to do some stuff here. So 
We just got to get technically some stuff set up. And that's one reason why we talked about starting up our pod pledge again, because we want to maybe use some funds to get a few pieces of equipment here to, to make it look good. I'm very much about quality around here. I try to make this podcast sound as good as I can. And if we do video, I want to make it look as good and sound as good too. So I just, we want to do it right. So uh, we do want to do something and uh, just bear with us as we go through those uh, bit of growing pains. Last question was, are you a member of our BGG Guild 75%? Yes. Well, good, because that means you're all, we were automatically entered into the contest. Facebook page, 52%. Follow us on Twitter, 58. Follow us on Instagram, 19.1. And some comments from this was... Several people said, please post more stuff on Facebook. And that's another thing I'm going to be cognizant of. I'm going to try to do a little bit more there. I do a lot on Twitter, but I need to transfer that somewhere to Facebook because it is a good place to have discussions. And <laughs> a couple of people said, can you put some more on Instagram? And I'll let Tony answer that one. Sure. I can take pictures of anything. <laughs> it doesn't have to be board Besides games. bag of chips. What's There's a bag, a bag of chips on our Instagram. A bag of yeah, That and a whole bag of chips. Come on. Oh, Lord. And oh, pies. Lord. I post pies out there. You know, mm-hmm. did I post any from Christmas? I don't remember. However, I do try to make it to every favorite game Friday post by our bu- buddy Roy over at Epic Gaming Podcast. He lets me contribute there when I uh, have something to say along those lines. And I hope to do more of those in the coming year. A little short seven seconds. I can manage that, Marty. Also, thank you so much for all the comments that were made. We put that out there knowing we are probably going to get a lot of constructive criticism, some negative feedback. But uh, Tony, to be honest, we didn't get tons of negative feedback. We got some things saying, hey, you know, we got a couple people saying less cowbell. We kind of overdid it on the last episode. I kind of did it on purpose. We're just going to reserve the cowbell, I think, Tony, for just when there's a game that we really, really like that both of us said this deserves a cowbell. So we won't be ringing that um, all the time. Most were very, very positive. Thank you so much for all those people that took time to say just the nicest things. It, it really means a lot. And I read these every night to, to put myself to sleep because it makes me feel good. But th- there was one that did really make me laugh. And it said, <laughs> I'm sorry, <clears throat> Tony is too grumpy. Give him some pie to cheer him up. You grumpy? Okay. First off, hold on. We'll move the monitor. Can you see my sweatshirt? It's, <laughs> it says grumpy's golf course, seven fascinating holes. Yeah. Close enough. So, most so here's a little story. Here's a okay. story of a of man a named lady. Tony. So growing up, I come walking into the kitchen one morning, and my mother looks at me, and she goes, "Wow!" Because I was a tall boy growing up. She goes, "Man, was it wow or man? You got to get your story straight." Okay, fine. She looks at me and she goes, "There's seven dwarfs there, and Grumpy's on top." Oh, wow. So, so then they went that Christmas and bought me a shirt. You know how you used to be able to go to the mall and have the guys make you the shirts? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that and airbrushing, yes. <laughs> yes. So they went and bought me a three-quarter uh, sleeve shirt, and it had all seven dwarfs. And there was a felt check mark that could stick. <laughs> and so I could check which... Dwarf was on top at the time. <laughs> Which mood you were? You were happy, you were sleepy, you were grumpy. Yes. Oh, that's funny. But grumpy was the first dwarf always listed. Oh, my God. And every time my mom sees a grumpy t-shirt, she buys it for me. Hey, so that's just who you are, right? That's, that's me. 
I'm a happy guy. I'm always a happy guy. <laughs> he, he is. Somebody else said. <laughs> somebody else said. Tony has turned. <laughs> this should make me laugh. Tony has turned the grumpy shtick up to eleven. <laughs> I'm an old man. Leave me alone. Oh, get, get off, off my lawn. Hey, hey, I got a sprinkler system. Squirrel. Okay. I'm going to be paying out the wazoo for water. Oh, that's why you got to be on a well like me. It's free. Oh, yeah. Maybe I can go do that. I wonder if I could tap into it. Did you know that when a train goes through a crossing, that it's a long, two long whistles, short whistle, long whistle? No. Well, I found that out at three in the morning. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Two, let's say that again. Two long whistle? A two long whistles, short whistle, long whistle. I didn't know that. So there's a pattern every time they pass. The, do you have a crossing near you or something? I found that out one night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the realtor didn't tell you this part? Oh, by the way, there's a railroad track about half a mile down the road. I knew that there was a, uh, what is it called? A model, module, module, the little truck beds. Where's, yes, Mar- where's yes. Mark? Where's the shipping boy when I need him? So there's one near the airport. Well, it goes by, I mean, it's not every night, but Wednesday, for some odd reason, a bunch of stuff moves through here. And it was three in the morning, my first night here. I was like, oh, we got a train nearby. Hey, that should make you feel like we did in college. Remember, <laughs> our dorms were right beside the Amtrak Railway. So we knew exactly what time it was. Oh, there goes the 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah, the Amtrak. Yeah, that was great. Oh, any more comments that, that tickled your funny bone? There were, I'm sure if I went through them, there were. Again, I've read through these multiple times. And thank you so much for everybody that uh, did these services. It really does help us out a lot. It really does show us that, okay, we're on track. We're off track. Uh, we'll tweak some of the questions next year uh, to maybe fit something else we're looking for. We are looking to implement some changes. Uh, we are looking at doing some more YouTube. I will try to make sure I don't go every every single rule when I talk. Again, it just meant a lot to us, all the kind comments that you said, and uh, it gives us energy to get us through another year. And you know, when we released our video um, this past week, I had a cute comment come back to me. uh, The the video uh, introducing our new logo? Introducing our new logo. Yeah, I had a cute comment come back to me, direct message. It was from our buddy, Matt Franz, you know, Cardboard Carnage. Uh He sent me a note back and he said, when did the hipster and... Belichick start doing videos. Who's Bella? My Bella. Who's Belichick? I was wearing. Oh, you because of the okay because of the sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, dude comes in to do a video, and I'm like, "What are you wearing?" A uh, sweatshirt. See, this is why we need help, people. Uh, before we start doing any videos, one thing we have to do is upgrade Tony's wardrobe. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> I still got Duke Power shirts. Duke Duke Energy hasn't been Duke Power in almost. 15 years, maybe even longer. Oh, Lord. Let's get out of here, okay? Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we go uh, hear about uh, Gaia Project, which I was so excited to try. And you, well, we'll see. As I mentioned earlier in the show, one of the biggest games I was looking forward to from last year was when they announced Gaia Project, which is a sci-fi version of Terra Mystica. And as if people have listened to this show, they know that Terra Mystica is one of my all-time favorite games. So I was so excited to get this to the table, but this game is so big 
this means it's probably one of those that would be best suited for a scurry report. And that's what exactly what we're doing here. And it's typical we have our scurry report reporters. I guess that's how you say it. Scurry report reporters. Uh, Nate Bivens and Mark Kale. Thanks for coming again, guys. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Marty and Tony. And Tony's just sitting over there with his arms folded. And I think I know why. Well, I mean, you got to point out here that Terramisca is one of the games that I enjoy playing, but I play it so poorly, it pisses me off. <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> irritates me to no end. So, you know, in recent Scurry reports, I haven't been around. So I thought well, I only would, the last one. Only the, okay. So what I thought I would do here for this one is do exactly what I did in the game. I'm going to sit back, keep my arms crossed, and watch you three talk about it. Because that's what it felt like to me. Nate, here, hold the mic. Oh, my gosh. Come on, dude. I mean, at least you can interject on maybe why you are frustrated with it. I will. As y'all finish talking, I'll come in and chime in every once in a while. I actually appreciate him being there with his arms folded because I wasn't last. <laughs> I think we need to take a picture of Tony and put him on the box cover of a dry Euro game. <laughs> <laughs> where victory points do matter and that's all this game is about it's just how you get there so this game is designed by ostertag and drogemuller and i'm sorry if i totally butchered that which are the same two people that uh, designed terra mystica so i was very excited to see how this played and we're not going to go into details how the game is played because a lot of people have played terra mystica they kind of know how it works i really kind of want to focus on the differences in this game is this game better uh if i had to pick which one to play which one would it be except for one fact that i didn't realize before we started playing today was that Nate has never played Terra Mystica. Somehow in my gaming career, I have missed one of the all-time best games, according to a lot of people. It's like the top five of every serious gamer I know, and I've completely whiffed on it. So I'll be, I'll be able to help in regards to like my impressions of Gaia Project, but not in comparing it to Terra Mystica. Well, what you'll be able to interject is, is have never played before. Do you think a game like this is worth the top spot on a lot of people's uh, lists? And I have played Terra Mystica before, but I played it maybe twice. And I know the first time I played it, I didn't care for it. Uh, but the first time I played it was at MooseCon and they broke it out at like 10 o'clock at night and I was tired. And so I gave it, you know, the other chance. And so I'm not a huge fan of it, but I really like this game. And I've played Terra Mystica almost a year ago, but to words, I don't know if I've ever played Terra Mystica. I've won one. The first time I played it, I got to play the little dwarfs that dug in the ground and all that. But overall, that was a little, pretty much the last time I really played it. Every other time I've just sat there at the table and sat there and saying, what am I doing wrong? Terra Mystica Gaia Project. I was so excited. Space, Marty. Space. Well, that's why I thought you'd be into it, because it's a sci-fi game. It's a space game, and you like your space games. I enjoy my space games, and I was really excited with the type of board they were going to have out, where it's not a set, static board like in the original. Mm -hmm. I was really excited about putting the planets together, spinning it around, and things like that. I said, this will be really neat. That will add to the replayability. But once again, as we got into it, for me... It seemed like I'm playing Terra Mystica in space. Until you realize that it still has the stupid little pellets that you have to put in the stupid little bowls that you can't whoa, use whoa, until whoa, you get to the whoa, special whoa, bowl. Whoa, whoa, Don't be dissing the power pills. That's one of the best mechanics of the game. It's like, but why does it have to be in the special bowl before but look, you can use them? You, you, everybody starts out with a certain number of Viagra, and then we can move it around, and as we play the game, <laughs> oh, we no, spin no. Viagra. We can make Tony like this game. We'll call them gladiators. <laughs> they just move from arena to arena. Oh, that's true. They do call it bowls. It could be an arena bowl. They level up. 
till they get to the Grand Coliseum. Or maybe he likes it better as Viagra pills. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that. I, you might. I do not. But for me, you could, <laughs> once again, to me, it felt like that game relies on people. Now, Nate can counterdict me on this, but I felt like if you're not controlling the power pills, because Nate win, but Nate always wins, you're going to get far behind the game. But Nate had limited power pills, and yet he decimated everybody. Well, that's what I like about this game. You don't have to say there's one strategy that's going to help you win. It's not necessary, because Iowa had a little power pill engine going. I had power pills coming in, and I was moving around the board and spinning them like crazy, and all it got me was first loser. So let's talk about how this game differs from the other. The power pills are still there. That's one of the things that stays there. Tony mentioned modular board. I really like that because that was one of the issues I have with Terra Mystica. It was a set board every time, and it didn't scale to the number of players. It was the same size board regardless. Here, you can scale the board based on the number of players, and every time you play the game, they have you a way that you can say, okay, here's kind of the base tiles you start with, and then everybody kind of places out the other tiles. It's almost kind of like when we play Forbidden Stars. You remember you put those tiles out in a certain way? Well, we did go with the suggested way for the first game that was most balanced, and if we ever played again, I doubt we would. I think we would do it the that advanced rule. Is Forbidden way. Stars one of those games that's been lost on your shelves for a while? It's not lost. Know. I know exactly where it is, and I'm anxious to play again, but that's for a different segment. Okay. Because, I mean, you know, I was just, I thought you were bringing in another game that I actually stand a chance at winning, where this one, oh, I don't know. That one has dice and it's luck based, so you have a chance. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's why I like it. Thank you. Thank you. One of the big disses that a lot of people had on Terra Mystica was the sideboard, which was the uh, the priest board, where you had the uh, the priest going up the side, and you had the different, you know, the air, the water, the ice, and as you as you moved up that track, you could get some more, you could move some of your power pills around and and whatnot. It, a lot of people felt it was kind of like an add-on. It was there, you kind of had to pay attention to it because how you ranked or placed at the end of the game, you got a certain number of points for each track. The first place person got this number of points, second place, etc. For each track. Here, they kind of turned that on its ear and gave us a technology track. Now, that sideboard is a, is a set of technologies that are used to upgrade certain things during the game, such as uh, in the ter- original Terra Mystic game, you had navigation. How far can I go between uh, tiles before I build another, uh, before you build another building? Here is, they have the navigation, but it's on the tech track. If you want to be able to jump across several planets or several spaces, you need to go up on that tech track. So what they've done is, that is an integral part of the game, where a lot of people before like felt like it was maybe just an add-on. So Nate, uh, did you feel like it was integral? Because I, I think I completely missed it. Maybe that's why I lost so poorly. Yeah, I think that the tech track was the most interesting part of the game, because for a couple of reasons. Um, first off, that's really where, uh, you know, about halfway through the game, it felt like my faction was different from everybody else's faction in the way I advanced up the tech track. Some of the things I had, uh, gave me higher income than Mark had. Maybe I had, uh, you know, a different terraforming cost than Tony did. So that really customizes your strategy. And then also the other cool thing that it does is some of the spaces that you go up on the tech track give you instant one-time bonuses. Other ones are more permanent and persistent effect. But those instant one-time bonuses let you combo uh, actions on your turn, basically. So, you know, I can I could move up on this track and get two ore. 
And that's going to let me next time upgrade my building, which is going to let me get another thing, maybe even move up another tech track, and I can combo some of those actions together. And I uh, I completely agree with the tech track. I really enjoyed it, and it's something that I really like to see in a, a game, a board game, or video game for that matter. Uh, I think they did it well, and it also, toward the end of the game, it gives some tension in the game because those last spaces are very valuable. And so you start kind of racing to see who can get up there first. And, you know, it's not as simple as just moving. You have to get this done before you can get up there. But can you do it before Nate does it? And uh, so I think it added a whole lot of tension to the game. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of the things that used to be on the individual faction board, such as increasing your navigation, such as making it cheaper to terraform land that was built right into the faction board. And you could see exactly what you need to do. Now that was actually on the tech tree board. And as you moved up your pegs on each individual track, that's how you made those better. So that is a difference between the two. Speaking of terraforming, remember in the original game, you had all those circular tiles of all the different terrain. And as you terraform the different spaces, you put out the tiles short showing the steps that you made to terraform to that certain space. Those terraforming tiles are now gone. Used to in the original game, in Terra Mystica, you could take steps. She's like, I'm going to terraform uh, this space twice and just leave it because it's not to the space I need to, uh, to build a mine. And then maybe I'll come back to it next time and do it. Here, you had to terraform the entire way to your native color planet or whatever, and then you could build a mine on it. So no longer they have these little disks that you're actually putting down on the map, which is good in the fact that's just less fiddly bits that you need to deal with over the course of the game. But to me, it did take away from the thing of somebody partially terraforming a planet and then somebody coming in and stealing it from you. Well, we don't have that much experience with it unless Tony wants to talk about that. No, I'm not talking about that. No. <laughs> Why are you even here? I don't know. <laughs> I sure wasn't a play game today. Because <laughs> I didn't said, even do that. Uh -uh. You can't say something good. Why am I holding the freaking mic? There's no reason for me to be holding this mic today after playing this game. I will play the game again. Uh, it's It's a Big thanky game. I mean, to listen to you guys talk about it 30, 45 minutes after we finished, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting here trying to pack up the game and you kept throwing bits at me. I mean, there's a ton of stuff here, tons of factions. Yes, I will play this game again. Will I be as disappointed in how I played? It's not more than likely. Uh, more than likely. <laughs> I, I didn't like my faction. I didn't like how the board was set up. It seemed like I couldn't ever get to any of the planets. Yeah, I needed to go. I should have recognized. I needed to go up that stupid explore, exploration track so that I could, didn't have to spend as much time trying to get to jump. Where was warp drive? Why did we not have warp drive in this thing? That was one of the technologies. That was that a was, navigation. Oh, please. That was, that was not warp drive. Spaces when warp, they didn't call it warp drive, but oh, still. And, and then whatever those little tesseract cubes, we call them the quick, <laughs> the QIC. The QIC, the quantum intelligence cubes. <laughs> I didn't even notice it until Nate said he started calling Tesseract cubes because they looked exactly like the Tesseract from the Avengers. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, so, and that is something we missed. There is just so much, just like the original Terra Mystica, where you could probably figure out various strategies, and as the board changes, you need to adjust. And I think that's what hurts on my side is that I was not able, I had a set strategy in mind based on the power of my faction and i tried to implement that and when it got blown out of the water that's kind of like well how do i readjust and i think by the time i got to that point i was gone it was over i was dust i was i don't know pick some star trek little thing where people come and they decimate the planet or something that's where i was. That would be called the death star in star wars well uh, when we talk about real science fiction oh! we will yeah, that's very good. <laughs> so what you said at the beginning of that long rant was 
what I look at is it's a is a mark of a good game. Is after we're putting the game away, you know, for for the next 15, 20, 30 minutes, we're like, you know, I could have done this, or if I had done that a little bit different, I think I could have done a little better in the game. So I th- I think that's the mark of a good game, and especially if you want to play it again to see if you can improve on what you did last time. And to me, also a mark of a good game is the fact that there are multiple factions, which is why I like Terra Mystica. So you said you got a faction, you couldn't figure out how to play it. Guess what? The next time we play, chances are it'll be a totally different faction, which gives a lot of replayability to this game because each faction is tweaked just a little bit different to where you can't use the exact same strategy every time. For example, my guys were really good at taking uh, uh, credits and converting them into other thing, other types of uh, resources. Everybody had that ability to do that with the power pills. I was the only faction that could actually do it with credits. So in my case, I should have been building a bunch of trading markets or uh, whatever they're called. Trading stations. Trading stations to generate a lot of income each turn that I could use to convert to things that I need. Yeah, and speaking of replayability, really the tiles drive all the replayability. The faction is neat to have that one special thing. But if you think about it, you only play with two of the six final scoring tiles. Throughout the game, you should be building toward those scoring tiles. That will definitely change the way you play. The round scoring tiles are laid out, and those are randomized. So one round, we were all going for mines. The next round, it was federations, but it was too early, so we ignored that. Then there are the round boosters. You would play with all those. There are the tech tiles that are randomized. I mean, this thing has replayability out out the wazoo. Is it the kudzu? Is it the kudzu? Kudzu. Yeah. Here we have kudzu. Yeah. All right. So that's another thing that is like Terra Mystica. You do have the different faction boards. You have the different in-game scoring. You do have the bonus round tiles where you draft. After you pass, you take a new one, and it gives you like a little ability that, at the beginning of the game. You got all those tech tiles that you mentioned. Then there are the uh, the Federation tokens. They had the same sort of thing in the other game where you had to get the Federation tokens and to move up the tech track into the final spot. You had to have one to be able to flip over to go into the final spot. And now you also need one to be able to take an advanced technology, which is different. So that's another thing that, that has changed. Now, one thing I don't like about this, and this is a small thing compared to Terra Mystica. In Terra Mystica, for, you have extra bonus uh, round uh, tokens or tiles that are left after each round. And when you had those, whichever was left got one extra little resource token, making it more valuable over time. They didn't do that in this. I'm not sure why, but I always liked that mechanic because it may drive somebody to take one of those just to get the extra credits, even though you may not want that. It's, it's the Puerto Rico thing, right? Hey, the role that wasn't taken gets the extra token at the end. I'm not sure why they took it out, but they did. Yeah, normally I like that mechanic, but I didn't really see any round booster be neglected. Um, maybe that's because I wasn't paying attention, but it seemed like they cycled through and they were maybe they changed, fixed that by making them all valuable at different parts of. That's exactly what I was going to say is if they're pretty much equal value, then there's no need to put the, the round marker or the uh, additional coins. But along those lines, I mean, certain ones were more valuable. I kept waiting for you, Mark, to pass so that because I, I knew that I wanted to build trading stations in the next round. And I'm like, Mark, you got to pass. And you, you kept delaying that. And I'm like, okay, I can do one more thing, but that's going to hurt my resources. Mark, are you going to pass? Hurry up and pass so I can have that end scoring for the next round so I can be ready for it. So I like that part of it. Now, I mean, once again, the game if you enjoy Terra Mystica, you're going to enjoy Gaia Project. It brings a lot more, especially with the map. For me, though, if I'm picking, Marty, between yep. the two, if you say, which one do you want to pick, I will pick Gaia Project, simply because of the map. 
that to just me, the variability of the, the map. variability of the map. And I do, you know, you mentioned the factions and their various things. My favorite part of the whole game, other than at the page eight first line, you win by victory <laughs> I points. It was be the very very favorite thing of this game was when putting it back in the box. Back in the box was the fact when you were reading over your faction, it goes, "Oh my God, this faction has over a paragraph or two paragraphs in one column. I'm not going to play this one. I'm going to play the other one, the simple one." So each faction, you got to figure out what you want to do, and then hopefully you can get the strategy that you need in order to maximize their special powers. I definitely think that in my game, uh, that was one of my downfalls is I didn't use my ability enough, but my ability was to downgrade a certain building, which kept you from being able to upgrade to some of the bigger buildings. So it it just kind of seemed push pull to me that you were losing one thing to gain another thing. Uh, so I didn't use it quite as much, but I think, in another game, just like we're talking and thinking about what we would do in the next game, uh, I think I have figured out a way I could better use that ability. Yeah, I was just going to say, that brings up something I noticed on the f- faction special abilities that I thought was really cool. It wasn't just sort of like a bonus thing that you're, you know, get one extra or every turn. It's always a trade-off. Like Mark had the downgrade one. Marty's was spend money to get things. And mine was... Um, Mine was I get to place building mines on another person's colony, which gives them potentially power points. So it's always a trade off. It was never like just get a bonus something. Going back uh, to the to the faction boards, another thing that was different too is the different resources that you had, such as ore, knowledge, credits. Those were all basically tracked on a, a numerical track on the board, which is different from Terra Mystica. And Terra Mystica, when you collected your resources at the beginning of the round, you physically got one of each of those little resources, little wooden resources. Here, you track them along the top. Now, you do have the thing of, oops, I bumped it. Where were they? We never really ran to that, but it is less pieces that you have to deal with in the, in, during the game. Speaking of pieces, this is really high tech. I kind of like it. Terra Mystica is all little wooden Euro type uh, resources here all the buildings are plastic they look space agey and cool there's no wooden bits they're all the nice acrylic and plastic bits so it gives it that sci-fi feel that is different than terramist yeah and that <clears throat> we haven't really talked about the art or or kind of the components too much but all things be- we don't talk about the art on this show because we we just have no clue about art i actually have a comment on the art but go ahead nate oh, compared yeah. to terramistica five years you get a comment about the art <laughs> five years because i'm comparing it to another game yeah, so in terms of theme and components, I definitely would prefer the plastic bits in this one to just having cubes that represent things. The artwork, I'm a little bit, you know, meh on, especially the box cover and some of the artwork on the components. I mean, it kind of reminds me of a lot of Z-Man games. The art's okay, but it's not amazing. It's not the high standard that we expect in today's game. And that's what I exactly want to say. I actually like the art on Terra Mystica better. The fantasy art... Uh, I don't know. It just seems more indicative of what I expect to see. The The art and the graphic design on the faction boards, I'm not as crazy about as I am in the Terra Mystica. I was still easy to read and everything, but same with you. I, I think the the box cover of Terra Mystica pops more to me than what it does for Gaia Project. The art doesn't bother me too much. I mean, I'm not thrilled about the box cover, but once you're in the game and you know, you're working off the tiles, I think the, the graphic design to lead you to learn how to play the game and what each thing does, I, th- I think they add did an outstanding job on that. Would you have preferred a box cover that would have been shiny and black and a star filled and said Gaia Project across it or this? Would you pull it off the shelves? I would prefer your dour face on the cover. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was sold too. Everybody been like, yeah, uh-huh, that's uh, that game. Guy really Project, saw. dry Euro, <laughs> dry. Win by victory uh, points. Win by victory points. <laughs> I mean, I guess for me, I never, I never <laughs> dealt with the art. I didn't even. I, I've looked past the art. No, it's just I'm just comparing the two. Once I'm into the game, I ignore the art. But if you go, if I go and pull the faction boards for Terra Mystica and the ones for this, the art of the factions themselves don't say a lot. And and the factions in Terra Mystica don't say a lot to me. They're these generic space names. If I pull out the factions for Terra Mystica, giants, elves dwarves, merfolk, I kind of get an idea of what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Here, you really have no clue. If somebody tells you you're the, if you're the Xenos or the Glens or the Invits or the Ambas, that tells me nothing. But on Terra Mystica, if I was to see giants or frost giants or something like that, I'm going to think, oh, okay, I probably know what kind of terrain they're looking for, et cetera. Not that it's that big of a deal. I'm just comparing the two. In space, what would you compare it to? What name would you need? In no, order to, I, to no, do I that. totally agree. And that's why I, I the Jupiterians for the ringed look, planet. Look, look. Oh, for the, ga- the, the gaseous nations for you Venus. Say the Jupiter something for the ringed planet. Isn't no, that that's Saturn? Saturn? That's Saturnian. Oh I'm sorry. I was thinking the the pimple nation for the Jupiter nation. How Jupiter? about Martians? Yeah, Martian. that could have You can't. That's trademarked somewhere, I'm sure, some way. Yeah, you know? Mars has a oh, trademark Mars. on, on yeah. that thing. Okay. Who knows? Aside from that, that's just me probably theme-wise. I do like fantasy better. But let's just get back to this. We just had our first game. We had our first impressions. Nate, you've never played the game before. Does this game interest you enough? Does this game, after hearing all about Terra Mystica, can you see the appeal behind it? Would you play it again, or can you go like, it's another game. Yeah, so without having played Terra Mystica, based on what I've heard, the changes that they made, I'm all in favor for. It sounds like they've streamlined it. They got rid of bits. They made it quicker and easier. <laughs> it's not streamlined gameplay-wise. No. To me, I think this is probably more an in-depth game than Terra Mystica because that tech tree really adds some new thinky components to it that Terra Mystica didn't have. Yeah, but I was thinking more in terms of the terraforming steps, mm. not having to put those out there. When yes, you gather yes. resources every time, I'm not counting so many ore and so many credits. <laughs> we tell so, people to turn their phone off while we're recording, and Mark's not over there. He's giving clinks and blanks and bloops. What does it say, Mark? How embarrassing, yeah. Now you got to read it to the audience. What does it say? Uh, it says, uh, so there's motion at my front door. okay i had you know one of those video doorbells for christmas yeah scramble the jets okay okay anyway (laughs) so that's just kind of in in comparison to terra mystica but overall gaia project i really enjoyed it it is definitely thinky it takes forever to set up it takes forever to put away to explain the rules blah blah blah. it's going to be tough to get it to the table because it requires quite an investment as with any heavy euro it is hard to get to the table but i really enjoyed my time with it but but we did say after we're done, we could probably knock this thing out in two hours. With four people who know how to play, I think we could play this thing in two hours. I think so. Yeah, I think we could do that. It was only lengthy to put away because Marty requires certain bags to be filled with certain bits <laughs> and certain tokens. That's the only reason why it's lengthy. Because if it had been up to Mark, oh, woo, it all been in one box, all scattered everywhere. Y'all find your own pieces. Let's go. Which is unusual for me. I'm usually to like put everything in a single bag, but they're all plastic. Uh, no, pieces. but it's they not good because it's not your game. You don't care. So I'll just well, throw everything there is that, but they all have to come out. They all have to go on the board. It doesn't help you. With and Tony over here, he was ready with a trash bag. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. 
thought there may be a dumpster fire at one point. All right, Mark, give us your your impression. Oh, I, I really liked it. Um, without going back and playing Terra Mystica, I, I don't really have a good comparison with it uh, because it's been so long since I've played that. And like I said, I, the one play I didn't have a good impression of it. Uh, but I did really like Gaia Project. I would play it anytime you want to play it. Uh, I may even consider getting it. So, yes. Okay, and for me, they've been giving me a hard time. I would play the game anytime. It's a little long. It's a little long to explain. I think for if you don't have the audience to sit down, I mean, it took us an hour to get through this thing to begin to to start getting ramped up and going. I would dread doing that again, but I would sit down with you guys and play this anytime or anyone who's played Gaia Project. It's got to shorten up. There's got to be a short shortened window on playtime where I'm going. I'm Two attention. hours. Two hours. You is know, not my attention span is only like an this. hour. And to me, I've and the same thing. I'll say same. I've said the same thing about Terra Mystica. Six rounds flies quick. It feels like when I'm in round three or four, it's like okay, finally I'm getting my engine going. Holy crap! There's only two rounds left. This has the exact same feeling. This is not a slow grow. I think you got to come out of the gate hopping. Well, in the sixth round, Mark and I were sitting here checking our phones for video feeds from his doorbell while you and Nate <laughs> were busy doing other things. Yeah. I'll admit, I mean, yeah, if you got that engine really powered up on the sixth round, yeah, it can drag out forever. But once again, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's I'll play it. Just put it on the thing. Have it set up. I'm ready to go again. All right. So from the Terra Mystica fan, from the guy who loves Terra Mystica, who has the expansion, who has the super nice insert over there. If the two were placed in front of me today, even though I prefer the fantasy theme more, I would say Gaia Project, and it's strictly because of the technology tree board that they have now implemented and changed what used to be the sideboard on the Terra Mystica. It just makes more sense to me. It has that tech tree feel. It's not a civilization game by any means, but it has that feel of trying to go up to the tech tree to upgrade your stuff so that you can build, make things cheaper. So for me, at this point in time, I will pull out Gaia Project it sounds like everybody here, after the first play, their first impressions, they would all play it again. And if you're interested, if you like Terra Mystica, you must play this game. If you've never played either, Tony, which would you recommend? I almost might would say Terra Mystica. I, I don't know. I would go with the theme that you like, science okay. or fantasy, science fiction or fantasy. But don't ask Alexa to play science fiction music while you're playing. <laughs> Inside joke. We tried, and she was clueless. We said, Alexa, play some sci-fi magic. Oh, shoot. She heard me. No, she didn't. Uh, play some music. And also, we got techno. We got some hard rock. We got some sort of orchestral stuff. So anyway, if you're interested in this game, stay tuned, because at the end of this episode, Tony and I have an extra copy of Gaia Project to give away, and we're going to give away to one lucky winner. So that's Gaia Project from Z-Man Games. It will sit right beside its place beside Terra Mystica, even though it's not in alphabetical order because it's T and a G, but they'll still sit beside each other. All right, I know I'll push... At Christmas, Marty, that if you didn't know what to get the gamer in your life, get him an organizer. I know I said that a couple times. You did, did say that. I did yeah, say several that. several times. I had to edit out several of them because you said it over and over and over again. Well, I was trying to make a point. So, <laughs> you've got that new board game. You're ready to put it on the table. you got a little extra spending cash because so-and-so didn't know what to get you. Take that cash. Go get you a nice new organizer from the Broken Token or any of their many, many accessories that they have over there. Be sure to check them out because you know they're ramping up for 2018. 
trying to catch up to all the games from 2017, you might find that organizer that you really need. That's thebrokentoken.com. I want to give a couple more comments about Gaia Project. So do I. I'm tired of this grumpy stuff. I got a few more comments. Oh, okay. I wanted to mention a couple things that I, I did not mention there. And also, I've played against since we recorded that. We recorded that a few days ago with the guys on Score Report. Thank you, uh, Mark and Nate, for so much for doing that. Uh, we got to play again, and we totally, uh, we, to- we totally, we totally tubular played with different factions this time because we wanted to throw out ones we'd already played just to see how the different ones play. Honestly, every flipping faction just makes it so different. So this time I happen to have a faction, Tony, that if I built the built the biggest building uh, that my special faction unlock, each one of my power pills in the third bowl is now worth two. Oh. Whenever I spent them. Yeah, that was huge. Meanwhile, Nate had this whole thing going on on tech. Of, of course, he killed us again. But he was able to run up all of his tech uh, high enough to at least get points in every tech tree and just annihilated us. That's what I love about that tech tree board. It just adds this whole new element to the game that mwah, so good. I'm glad y'all got to play it again. I hate I missed out on that opportunity because I know I came off sounding very negative from that. No, you negative? Negative. No. And I think it was not because I was pissy at the game i was pissy you were pissy all right i was pissy at myself because i like i said i i really really like that game but when you play a game and you play it so poorly it just pisses you off it it sours the experience dude i i'm there with you i can't remember uh god i can't think of the game Oh, you know what? The last time I played Gentis, mm-hmm. um, you guys had played several times, and then uh, I got to play again. I got destroyed, and it was all of a sudden. Maybe this game isn't that great, and it's just that it's just that instant. It's like, well, you know, this game isn't that great after all, and it, it, it's true. If you don't play well, it sours the experience. But uh, I was thinking uh, back during the whole time, you never said the game sucked. You were just very upset with yourself. But now that you've gotten away from it, and um, and you've kind of c- cooled off. Let me ask you this. Do you even want to play anymore? Just Because you kept saying, I don't know how to play it. And for that reason, do you even care about playing again? Oh, no. I will play it again. Okay. I don't care that I almost got lapped in victory points. And I still love that rule. <laughs> um, <laughs> it pisses me off that I couldn't figure it out. And that's how I felt with Terra Mystica. Yeah. I will figure this game out. It will not defeat me. I, that's my ultimate goal. I've got to score more than 20 victory points. I know I scored more than that. You, yeah, you score a lot more than that. To that point, that's what I want to happen. That's why I will play this game again. But I will say, you can keep Terra Mystica on the shelf and just bring out Gaia Project. So you have pretty much decided it's, it's Gaia you kind of want to focus on in order to in order to make it a better experience for you, not Terra. Right. And, and, I, and I think the reason for that is simply the, the map. I, I really like the modular map. That's a huge difference. And I forgot to mention this too. There's a solo version in this game. Yeah. Because I actually taught myself how to play uh, solo. So you played with yourself also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the AI, the how the work the AI is kind of wonky to me. It took a while to figure out more how the AI works than how to play the game. But that is an option in the game. So if you want to get the game and play um, just to see how the mechanics work, try out the different factions. Oh, there was one other thing too I thought was weird, Tony. I don't know if you noticed this. For some reason, the faction boards of the version that we got, the copy that we got warped. 
They were warping through the night, and I thought maybe it was cause of the humidity or something. So I pulled out the Terra Mystica faction boards and set them right beside of them and left them there for a couple hours. Came back, Terra Mystica perfectly flat. Gaia Project boards were warped. Interesting. They may not have sealed them too good on the edges. And they are longer boards, so any little bit of warp will really be exaggerated. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of odd, because we talked about the art in the game and stuff like that, too. I just thought component-wise, I thought that was... Uh, interesting that these boards happen to warp. So there you go. We have talked about Gaia Project uh, enough. Um, it, it met all my expectations. And uh, Tony, I'm glad you're willing to try again. And I, I can't wait to do it. But more importantly, and thanks for everybody hanging in there. Yeah, so much for that hour and a half, Mark. Yeah, we have an important one. Another contest. If you are interested in winning Gaia Project, all you need to do is go out there Fill out my quick little form that's on our webpage, and we will draw a lucky winner from that. Quickly get that out there. Two weeks. That's it. I'm going to let it run for two weeks, and then it's off the thing. You'll have to answer, put in an email so we can contact you, and let us know, would you prefer Terra Mystica due to the fantasy or Gaia for the science fiction theme? Just let us know. Easy answers. We're going to keep it simple. But it doesn't matter which one you answer, because if you answer Terramesca, you're still getting Gaia Project. <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, yeah, forget away. you. Yeah, you're getting Gaia Project. That's right. And unfortunately, Tony, it's uh, Gaia Project's a big box. It's a heavy game. It'll have to be US only. And one of the comments in our survey was, please do more non or expand contests beyond the US, which is why we did the gift card. The $200 gift card, because that's that's worldwide. And we'll try to focus on more things that aren't product-based, but maybe more gift card-based so that we can get um, more things out to people. Maybe we get that guy in Poland to um, hook us up. Oh, maybe he could ship stuff from there. Oh, that's not a bad idea, is it? Hmm. hmm. We'll send him some money. Make that yeah, happen. There you go. Okay. So, yeah, be sure to check that out. It closes in two weeks. We'll have that out there. The link will be on the website. Wink will be at the B- Wink. The link will be at the BGG Guild, so be sure to fill that out, and we will draw a lucky winner from that for your very own copy of Gaia Project. So there's our first episode of 2018. So much for keeping it within an hour and a half, but we had been off for three weeks. We had a lot to talk about. We are excited about 2018. Tony and I are already putting together our Squirrely Award nominations. Uh, That episode will be coming up in the next uh, month or so. We're excited about that. And before long, Tony, April will be here. It'll be time for our big movie episode, Screening streaming or steaming i am so excited for that still haven't seen star wars yet you need to go see it i, I will I'm, I'm gonna go see it i'm so far behind on the movies the holiday r- r- uh, anyway so keep rolling dice and taking names Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to go join our guild at 1589. Our Twitter account is at Dyson Names. Our Instagram is Dyson Names. Join our Facebook page. And if you weren't keeping count, the neat count for this episode was three. All right. So here we go. Okay. Feeling the feeling the love. Can you feel the love tonight? You know they're making that as a motion action with Beyonce as the baboon butt. What, what movie was that? Well, they're making the love thing of the Lion King now. Oh, that was on Lion. I see. I can't remember what song. Only thing I remember from Lion King was Akuna Matata. Yeah, that was. Can you feel the love tonight? Okay. Yeah, it's when Nala and Simba <laughs> get funky. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> 
Okay. Funagain.com. That's the place to go if you want any of the games you heard tonight. I don't know if you'll be able to get Passport to Culture, but that's all right. There's plenty of other great games out there. <laughs> and who's that by again? H&H Global. Oh, look at you. That's right. Bravo. Thank you. Bravo. Thank you. So funagain.com, they have all your gaming needs. They got a ton of stuff in over the holidays. They restocked the shelves. Matter of fact, Marty, I think there was almost three pages of restocks being published. And if I'm not mistaken, some new stuff is hitting real soon. So be sure to go out there, check out funagain.com, get those pre-orders in, or pick up that game that you got missed at under your tree. Or was not under your tree, not missed. You know what I meant. I, I, sure. Sure.